button. <laughs> All right, space cadets, meaning <clears throat> uh, astronauts ready to jacking into your equipment. People are putting on their gear, getting the videos ready and making sure they have their center, you know, the energetic center on top, the physical center and clicking their clicker and making a grounding cord from the center to the middle of the earth. And at the count of three, please tell me the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. Hello, blue. Thank you. One more click of your clicker. You have the bubble, a personal bubble of space around yourself. <laughs> this is something that you can experiment with as in terms of how big to make it. If you ever walk down the street, uh, you, can, you can see how close people come to you when they pass you according to how big your bubble is. So you, this, if you, I've done it before where I was walking with somebody and I, there was a dog walking towards me the other way and he was headed straight for this space between the two of us. And I clicked my clicker and made the space, my bubble, you know, occupy all that space. And he instantly went around and went around us the other way around. And also like, for example, if people are bumping you accidentally uh, while you're walking down the sidewalk or in anywhere, it, it's, it's a, uh, anybody ever notice that? That sometimes people just kind of bump into you while you're walking by. Check to see this. You make you have your center grounding cord and bubble and just make your bubble more clear. And it's quite likely people won't bump into you anymore unless they're trying to invite you out for coffee or something like that. Yeah, great. Welcome to the study group. Uh, I'd like to just hear a couple words. Jeff showed us a photograph earlier on of a improvised workshop that he did there in, in Costa Rica. It was fabulous to see the energy and excitement from people who probably weren't planning to spend their time that way. Then <laughs> they all of a sudden found themselves together and had a great time, looks like. Thank you. Anybody else have something to they'd like to share on any any dimension that would be useful in this space? Okay, it doesn't have to be useful. Okay. I went to the healing process on Saturday. And <clears throat> does that mean you're holding the space or receiving it? I was receiving it. Thank you. And I saw how my decisions that I've been making in life have all been about <clears throat> how the other person was going to receive it, what was going to happen to the other person. And I saw how I was avoiding making decisions so I wouldn't have to deal with their reaction to my decision. And, and what came up for me is, is I know how to take care of myself. And it doesn't matter what their reaction is. What matters is, is my integrity to my decision. 
and to myself. And I was able to, to make new decisions and to, to declare them and, and be in my, you know, have my grounding cord, have my personal bubble of space, share what needed to be shared and not get hooked. And I had a, a friend who's not part of this space. And when I shared with her a decision I made, she was, why are you doing that? And if you do that, he's going to win. And, and she went into this low drama space and I could be with her. I could be with her and not get hooked back into the victim that I played in our relationship, but be in my own space and ask her, why, why are you, why is this affecting you? Like, you know, what's coming up for you and, 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 and have her tell me, well, I'm angry. And, and, and then our, our, our conversation took a whole new place. And, and then I, we actually got to a place where she got to express what she wanted to express. And then, and then, and then I stayed centered the whole time. I stayed centered the whole time. I didn't get hooked. And that's what I'm observing is, is I'm able to show up and not be hooked. That, that be unhookable, that first one, the first one in the manual, be unhookable. I'm finding that that's happening. That's, that's more of a default than not. That's what I want to share. Mm. I'd like to layer on top of that, that I was in a process on uh, Saturday and I, I really, it really sunk deep this concept of like, I can only take responsibility for myself and I cannot, like, like I can't, it's not going to work if I try to make other people take responsibility. Like I can't, I can't do that. And that's like, I think what Shannon is referring to, like, it's they let them they're going to do whatever they're going to do and it's it's about me being responsible to stay in my center and stay and, and keep my my integrity and and be in space with with the other person and that was it was huge for to like really land that in deep inside of my bodies yeah thank you <clears throat> It turns out to be quite important while doing such things as learning to become unhookable or hold your space is it has to do with paying attention to what you're feeding your gremlin because I'll, the gremlin is not a bad thing. It is, we haven't got to that part in the book yet, but the, the gremlin is this part of ourselves that defends our survival strategy. And so, it has a survival imperative behind it. And it has this part of us is, is a, has this idea that if it can save itself, it can save us. If the gremlin can protect and save itself, then it can save us. And so with that in mind, it eats what it needs to eat. And so imagine if one of your gremlin's favorite foods or entryway to a gremlin feeding frenzy is becoming hooked, that means becoming reactive or becoming insulted or offended. To notice when you're becoming offended and when you become offended, the reactivity, the emotional reactivity that goes through your mind and your heart and your body's, your tension in your physical body and all that, this is all 
gremlin food, trying to be right, trying to um, get revenge, trying to justify, trying to, all these things are, are gremlin foods because they're ways to avoid being responsible. So if you start becoming more unhookable, what are you gonna feed your gremlin? What are you going to feed your gremlin? Becomes a very relevant question. An unfed gremlin, if you, if you stop feeding your gremlin unconsciously, it's important to start feeding your gremlin consciously to because it will eat something. It needs to eat something. You need your gremlin well-fed at your side as an ally. And so there's a whole procedure in, particularly it's outlined in the Conscious Feelings book. It's also outlined on the Your Gremlin website about how to choose, you choose, not your gremlin, which of the five gremlin foods from your list of 50 gremlin foods that you, that you've, that you um, discover through self-observation and noticing what your gremlin is up to, you find this whole list of 50 foods, you document all that and choose five and then feed your gremlin that on a regular basis. If you, if you do that first, then it becomes far easier to become unhookable and um, become, note, you know, not, not react in a way that uh, provides unconscious gremlin food, like to avoid so much reactivity. So there's, it's just important. See, the thing is, if you start taking away your gremlin's favorite foods and without replacing them with other gremlin food, you'll end up with a hungry gremlin and a hungry gremlin will start doing behaviors from deeper in your underworld. It'll dig deeper down inside of you and go to more shadowy, more unconscious ways to feed itself because you're not feeding it. And that's when people have accidents or fall back to old behaviors, use drugs, you know, steal things, lie, cheat, all these kinds of, and you'll go, God, where did this come from? Here I am on this path of development of consciousness. I'm, I'm feeling way better at not being so hookable. And then, you know, and then I, I run over my neighbor's flower garden with my car. You know, how, okay, where did that come from? So, and the answer is it just comes from deeper in, in your underworld. So it's, it's, I'm just suggesting, please, 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 when you start to notice what your gremlin is up to, then feed it something else on purpose, feed it something else consciously. And in particular, the kinds of things to give your gremlin to, to feed on are those, are those jobs that your box can't do, the jobs that uh, that involve holding different kinds of spaces, meeting with new people, making interesting offers to interesting people, or to, to make, you know, choose from a menu that's not given to you in terms of what your options are. Have, let your gremlin choose from options that are not given to you, et cetera, et cetera. Going nonlinear, there's so many ways that you have, can make use of this dynamic and almost transformation energy possibilities of your gremlin that also feed it. It's very, that's what it's for. An adult 
an adult has a well-fed gremlin at your side, fed a lot from the Im impossible jobs that your box can't do, that your child ego state can't do, that your parent ego state won't let you do. You know, that, this, that the society's uh, impulses will block until you have a gremlin that's a bit able to make decisions that are not on the menu offered by modern culture, for example. And so and this is just a, a big invitation. Does anybody have anything about that? They wanted to, so Shannon, thank you for bringing this up and thank you for your sharing and Jeff. And, but does anybody have any questions about that? Or comments, sharing? Yes, I want to share. Hello. Hi, Naya. Hello, Clinton. And it is very related what you are saying right now. I am doing um, a circle, a women's circle with other women and we are sharing holding space. So last Saturday was me holding space. And this is like the second time I hold space. And um, what happened, okay, what happened to me was that I tried to use my conscious anger to bring this sort of clarity in a moment that it was needed. And what I feel is that I didn't use it in, in the level that it was needed. So yeah, like people got triggered and then I gave excuses, like reasons why I used it. And then that was low drama because I was in low drama when I gave reasons. So that was Kremlin food. And yeah, I'm, I'm processing and I'm feeling it. Um, my responsibility as a space holder to hold more of my anger and not give excuses when I am using the sort of clarity. And I want to work more on being unhookable. Like you were saying now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. There's a, in a lot of the, in a lot of the work from possibility management, there's a phase one and a phase two. And so phase one of feelings work has a lot to do with being able to distinguish mad, sad, glad, and scared. It has a lot to do with uh, distinguishing feelings and emotions. And it has a lot to do with uh, noticing what intensity your, uh, feeling is, is it 20%, is it 60%? And so these kinds of distinctions, these are all the learning to feel part. This is mad, sad, glad, and scared, learning to feel. And so think this is a phase one of feelings work. And so Nayata, you're, you've got that. You're, you've really got that. It's in my pants. Okay. And so the, um, the thing to go is you're starting to be in phase two of feelings work, phase two. And phase two of, for example, in this case, anger, in this case, being angry, is to be able to notice that you are feeling angry, that it's decide whether it's a feeling or an emotion. If it's a feeling, you know, if it's an emotion, it's a make a note in your beat book for an emotional healing process. If it is a feeling, then it has a use. 
And so if, if you're holding space, you will be getting all kinds of feelings very fast, lots of fear, lots of anger, lots of set, lots of feeling, lots of joy. You'll be getting all this stuff. And in phase two of the feelings work, when you have this anger, the, the part of it that comes up for you will, will be, uh, a, there's a procedure that you can do called confront with questions. Confront with questions. And so this confrontational thing, it's like, okay, here's something going on. It's not okay to let it keep going on. I want to change this or I'm going to, so I feel the anger and this energy to be able to, to, to make a change. And then we go, that's not okay. This is going to be like that. What, you know, like, in, and we use the anger in the phase one form, which is just the expression of the anger. You try to make a boundary like that. But in fact, that anger is, is, the, is the trigger for a new kind of behavior, which is to go, let me ask you a question. What's really going on here? Let me ask you a question. Start, and you can shift into a meta conversation. So I'd like to get to know you better. What is a person like you um, proposing, uh, making a proposal like that in a space like this? What's really going on for you in there? And you can take it, you can take it down these layers. So there's a website called called uh, list, vacuum listening. It's called vacuum vacuum learning. Excuse me, vacuum learning. And it, it describes this procedure and how to use how how to use the anger that you have to hold a space where you where you have this anger that's re, that comes up and you go, okay, something's off. Something needs to be handled. Something. There's something going on beyond this, deeper than this, behind this. And then you start, there's this three levels of questions that you can ask. You have to ask the same question three times. It's like going down an elevator. And the, the first level, people, they, won't, <clears throat> they won't understand. They'll answer with an intellectual answer. The second question, the second time you ask it, they will react to you as if you are attacking them. The third time you ask the same question, go, look, I really want to know what's going on for you. The third time you ask the question, they'll actually start feeling something and can share with you what's going on. So this is a, a, a fantastic tool to use in phase two of feelings work. So a lot of you are making it, you're able to uh, consciously feel. You have your, your four feelings and whether it's a feeling or emotion and all that. And then it's time to start using phase two feeling skill stuff. So thank you for bringing that up, Nayada. Great. I have- Mark, were you gonna say something? Yes, go ahead. Hello. Uh, um, so I was not sure if I got you right on feeding the gremlin with things that I wouldn't be able to come up with. So did you say that you suggest for example, to choose a situation where I say, now I want to feed you gremlin, and then I wait what the gremlin picks. No, uh, I encourage you to really study this because you're trying to answer the question in a really short time can lead to confusion. So I please encourage you to go into that section of the Conscious Feelings book or go into the yourgremlin.mystrikingly.com website that includes put on the screen here 
and, and really get the full picture of it. But the, the thing with the gremlin food is it's, it's not, it's a, it's a, there's a whole procedure for it. So it isn't just letting your gremlin choose. It's, it's more specific than that. So I'm I understand I'm not really answering your question. Did I miss the exact part of your question? Could you just say your question again? Yeah. Um, so I know that I can consciously, consciously observe uh, what my gremlin likes to eat. And then yes. I heard you saying- Good, did you, did you make a list of 50 of those foods? Did you write that list of 50 of them? Five, zero, 50. Yeah, not finished, no. Not yet. Okay, that's the first step. Yeah. Okay, nothing's gonna happen until you get the first step. That's step one. So it can take a month or two months before you have 50, but there really are more than 50, 50 different things your gremlin does to get it. So do that first, and then the other step will start making sense. Perfect. Good. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Great. I had a really, I, something got illuminated in me while you were speaking earlier, Clinton, which is that one of my gremlin's foods has been to pretend to be unhookable and then use that as a way to become a responsible victim. Wow. And, and that goes right alongside with recently having maybe stellated, maybe not quite my fear, but gained more access to my fear and having it and realizing that while my fear was frozen and numb and, and really any fear I was feeling, I was actively ignoring it as gremlin food for becoming this responsible victim. I, so many, so much was lost. And, and this really came forward while I've been working on the conscious fear experiments. And I feel so glad and scared about having those experiments to, to do and, and to, I feel so glad that right now, like I'm cold right now. And it's like, my fear is, is so much more alive in me that, that I feel glad that I have access to the, to this like discerning information that will make such a difference. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> one time in college, I took a psychology 101 class and I got this sense of how there was this, there was this body of research starting with Jung and Freud and maybe even Socrates and Plato and all these guys were trying to document the human condition. And so I thought, oh, okay, this will be easy to understand. You know, these guys have researched it all. There's these syndromes, these things that they can, they can, uh, um, what's that word we're using? They can, they can document your illness. What is it called when they tell you what the illness you have is? Diagnosis. Yes, you diagnose. Yeah, they, so all I got to do is figure out this, this criteria and then I can diagnose 
myself. And of course, I didn't have any of the, of the conditions, of course. You know, so, so then I was quote unquote healthy and therefore then I could help diagnose other people. And so for a while, all my roommates and everything, I was diagnosing them all with all this, you know, and, and, then, and then I finally started entering reality with our human condition in reality, like our, our in the, the diversity and depth to which we're committed to the various neuroses and mechanisms and clever, twisted around reactionary, suppressive, overt, covert behavior patterns that we, that we come up with could, could never be documented because we're ongoingly inventing new ones. And so it's like the whole strategy that I had to try to understand psychology from what has been already um, diagnosed was just complete fallacy, just complete and utter fallacy. And so still along those lines, like Nicole, you just described this mechanism that's it's so perfectly fitting together, has these certain results and, it, it, and you've been using it for a while and you could give it a name. You could give that thing a name and then it could be classified as, a, as another kind of diagnosis. But the thing is, the whole approach, I mean, I, the way that we're going at it in the Radiant Joy Brilliant Love book has to do with a completely other perspective, a completely different way of going about things. It has really not, almost nothing to do with diagnosing, almost nothing to do with uh, um, understanding, with get, you know, coming to some understanding. It really doesn't have anything to do with it. It starts off with being centered, grounded, and bubbled, and, and present, and then navigating space, holding and navigating space according to your purpose and according to other people's purpose. And then there's this upper world, middle world, and underworld purposes. And with just that, if you, if you have that, you, you have enough to enter adulthood. Like you can be present and, and enter adulthood. And so I'm just, I'm just so excited about the possibility that uh, ordinary human beings like us can get a grip on what's, what's happening right now and what's possible and start navigating spaces into the transformational work of going where we want to go with ourselves, with our partnerships, with our businesses, with our communities, with, with the world. And so yeah, I just I just wanted to identify myself as one of those people at first who thought I could diagnose and and completely understand psychology at the beginning because there was I had a class in psychology, and in fact, so much more is possible. <laughs> yeah. Great, thank you. Anything else right now before we get into de more about denial and drivers? We're on page 130 of the Radiant Joy Brilliant Love Book. I, I want to add one more thing, Clinton. Go ahead. It, when I made my decision and I shared it with uh, the first person I spoke to, I was I had this story that I could potentially compromise the relationship. And what happened instead is as my own respect grew within my own, you know, as, as I was connected to my anger and, and my decision came from this place of, of what I wanted, 
the person on the other side, I, I received their respect even more. And so our relationship became even stronger and, and, and more rich because I made this decision and I shared it. And, and, and if I had just stayed with my old decision from a place of wanting to be accepted, I would have never gotten to that place in, this, in, the, in these relationships. Hmm. I would like to ask people who are doing experiments, has anybody else noticed similar, similar results as that? Has anybody else noticed that kind of outcome? Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, because, because, I mean, in a way, that's, that's why I'm talking to you on this, in this meeting space is because I myself and my friends and the people I live with and, and play with have discovered that, that, you know, you go to the edge of our, of our box, go to the edge of our behavior what's comfortable for us. We go to that edge and stand there and then try one thing different, one subtle thing different that scares the hell out of us to do it because it doesn't fit in the pattern. It doesn't fit with the survival strategy. It's this new thing. And we just stand there and try it. And holy smokes, it works. It creates a completely indifferent result than we have been creating you know, all before doing the, the behaviors that we're so comfortable with. And then we try the next one and then we try the next one and we try the next one. And it doesn't take very long before we're functioning in a whole different context with new behavior patterns, new relationships, new friends, new enemies, and a whole new possibility set that, and, and it begs the question, what else is there? And, you know, what else is there is, uh, a large, I don't know if you can see this. It's a big rainbow out the window. I don't know if you can see this. Anybody see that out the window? No, it's a bit too far away. All right. Well, I'm on a desert island where it's supposed to hardly rain at all. And ever since we've been here, it's been raining and there's even a rainbow and there's nothing out there and there's no trees. There's not one natural tree growing in this huge island it's only volcanoes and desert and so ever since we've been here it's just been raining and now there's a rainbow and so that's what i'm trying to talk about something completely different from this is possible right now only if you know you go to the edge and do experiments and it's really important like the, the your conscious use of gremlin is the one who can keep you at the edge and that's why i'm so enthusiastic about the kinds of experiments that you guys are doing during the week and why I spend this time at the beginning of the study group checking in and hearing reports and what are you trying and what worked and what didn't work. It's just so important. Uh, this is your, uh, cheer, your cheering, your cheerleader squad. You know, we're the ones who are gonna go, yeah, go, rah, 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 you know, da, na, 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 da, you know, is to get out there and really keep doing it even if you crash and burn, you know, if you try something different and it crashes and burns, well, then tell us about it so we can try something different. I mean, before, if, I'll tell you about denial, okay? 
So here I am in this island and I pull out on this street from a restaurant and it has a sign that says right turn only. It's a two lane road and there's a white lane in the middle of the road and there's no traffic right there. And so uh, then and Chloe looks at me and goes, gosh, look down there, way, way down there, those police. I've seen a lot of police at bus stops late. And I go, ah, well, so are they looking? And she didn't say anything. So I make a left turn and across the white, I go that I break the rule and the policeman steps right on the road and stops me and gives me a ticket because it was a, he was waiting for people to make the wrong turn on the road. So, okay, you know, he's yelling at me and everything. So I'm, it was fine, you know, but okay. Then the next day or two days later, this is incredible. I'm driving some other part of the island and I'm going down this road and I'm, I'm, the lane changes. It was a two lane road. And then suddenly the right lane changes into an exit and I don't want to go out the exit. So the lane changed from a, a dotted line to a solid line. So I'm sitting there and I go, God, I have to get out of this dotted line. And I look back there and all I see is just motorcycle guy zooming down the road. And I go, and there's the left lane was open. And I, I go, okay, I'm just going to pull over. Well, what turned out was there was an, a police car passing me at kind of high speed at exactly the same moment that the motorcycle was trying to pass me at high speed. And I was trying to get in this lane and not get shoved off the highway. And then the motorcycle guy curses me and the, the policeman starts honking his horn. He says, pull over. Okay, it was the exact same policeman who exactly in that second, how is that possible that the same policeman would, would be at that two second interval right by me and pulling me over? He, he starts, he was, he was yelling at me and he was laughing and then his whole electronic system didn't even work. So he couldn't even give me a ticket. And he goes, you are so lucky. You, you have to take your wife, your girlfriend out for a 200 euro dinner tonight because you can't pay it. Anyway, this is about denial and drivers. I was the driver and I was in denial about the white line. So <laughs> complete denial about those white lines. And so I have a new relationship to the white lines now. <laughs> but I'm just saying it really takes something for us to pay attention to those things that we have not been paying attention to, these little details that we thought, oh, it could just slide by or go over or not notice. And the universe can be really persistent but to send me the same policeman on two different days out of, it was just impossible. And so I've been really a lot more careful about those white lines lately. And I hope you do too. All right, drivers, drivers, talking about drivers. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would want to say something very quick about that. Go ahead. I'm going to say something very quick, Joel. And I decided after my lab in January that I will um, call everyone that I have resentment or I have incomplete conversations and, and talk to them. And I've been doing that. And that's one of the scariest thing for me. Even right now, I'm feeling cold in my feet saying it. And um, it has been beautiful experiences after it's done. Yeah, like we're more connected now. And they even feel 
more respect, more res respect towards me. And one of them even asked me if I can hold space for, for her. And she doesn't even know nothing about PM. And it's scary, oh. but I'm, I am, I'm, I'm committed to do it. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jewel, for Thank waiting. You. Thank you, Nayadi. It's Eula, by the way. That's one little experiment I'm doing. If uh, someone is not calling me Eula, but something else. Half a year ago, I wouldn't have said anything. And now I'm like, okay, it's Eula. Great. Uh, Thank you. That's one experiment I'm doing. Um, my question is, we just, right before the call, I talked with Michelle about this, like about the last call. And we figured that there was unclarity about like, what is the distinction between neurosis and just like the box like for example one of my or box strategy like one of my box strategy is to play small and for me this is also a driver because that's something that is there and that i do unconsciously so what's the distinction between playing small and for example perfectionism sounds like you have an excellent research question let us know what you figure out. I will. All right. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm this this just at the last session, we just named these drivers that Dr. Eric Byrne picked out. He picked out these five. Uh, positive drivers, and then we added, we discovered in possibility management five shadow world uh, counterparts to these each of these drivers. So he he enabled one be perfect. Another one is please other authorities, please them, please the other. Another one was try hard. Another driver was be strong, and the last one was hurry up. I'm sure there's more. He just, to give us an idea of what drivers are and how powerful they cause us to behave in certain ways, he listed those five. But then when we were working with Gremlin, it became so clear that there are these mirror, <clears throat> like shadow side mirror drivers. For example, uh, make a mess. In instead of uh, being perfect, make a mess, like leave messes around or attack authorities. Instead of being adaptive to authorities, attack them, take them, just attack. Or instead of trying hard, don't try at all. Or uh, uh, fail, or instead of being, instead of being hurrying up all the time, hurry up, hurry up. It's just like be late. And then there's this reactivity that comes from the spaces that where you use your drivers and there's some kind of attention you get. You're supposed to get positive attention or praise. And with the negative drivers, you theoretically get negative attention. But I'm sure you've noticed this thing about certain behaviors. It's like getting negative attention is better than getting no attention at all. And I'm sure you've been around people who try to get negative attention from you and you just won't give it to them. You just 
let them do whatever the thing is that they are doing and you just ignore them, you know, try to not even notice that they're doing. And so these, these behavior drivers are huge in our lives and they're subtle. They're, they're just beneath the surface. And if, unless you give it a name and you start noticing, well, why did you really do this? Why am I really, why do I feel bad? Why do I feel uh, happy? Why am I feeling, what is, what's my impulse? Where does the impulse come? And you start noticing there are these drivers, you go, holy smokes, it's because of the driver. So the question was, well, which drivers motivate you the most in your life? And you, some people were even saying, well, gosh, all of them, all of the drivers were, were motivating. So I'm going to continue reading right there. It's on page 130. And it says, drivers are not actually responsible or irresponsible. Drivers are not irresponsible or irresponsible. They are simply our box's preferred survival mechanism. So quote unquote, merely surviving is in itself irresponsible. Being responsible involves quote unquote, really living. There is a huge difference between merely surviving and really living. So I'd like to go into that for just a second because we may we have parts of ourselves that we probably assembled in school, I would suspect, or at least on the job or something. And it's a strategy of barely fulfilling the requirements. You know, we have this whole grading system in school where if you get these certain requirements, you know, if you get 81% right, you get the same B grade as if you got 89% right. I know in Germany, they have a different numeric system. You know, if you get 18 out of 20 right, you know, it's the same as getting 19 out of 20 right or 17 out of 20 right. It's so the idea is if you do barely enough, you will have satisfied the requirements. And so we have, there's a whole, there's a whole life strategy of merely surviving. So if you are not in jail, if you have enough to eat, if you're living at some place, if you have clothes on your back, if, if, if you're not really you know, sick or living out on the street or under a bridge, then you have survived. And then people will leave you alone in a way like that. It's like people don't have to worry about you, something like that. It's like you can escape if you can barely satisfy the requirements of surviving, that's enough. And it's, it's trying to please this external authority by, by matching these barely enough. And then on the other hand, there are these kind of drivers that say something like, I'm gonna earn $50 million and I know a guy like this. I go, what are you doing in your life? And he's going, I'm earning $50 million. I said, that's impressive. Okay, what for? He goes, I don't know. He says, I don't care. He says, I'm just going to earn $50 million. And so he, he dedicated his life to, you know, you start painting the picture, having a yacht, 
having a girlfriend on every island, you know, having uh, 10,000 bitcoins, you know, having a, a house that's uh, in Beverly Hills and one in Paris and one in Tokyo, you know, and it's like, okay, these are two ends of the same spectrum. So, yes, yes, it's exactly like that. It's like freaking out time. It's so it's two ends of the same spectrum. It's this uh, like a driver to barely survive or a driver to be so successful that you are the richest man in the world or you're the most powerful. You have the most Mercedes Benzes. You know, you have so many Rolex watches that you have a whole wall full of Rolex, whatever the thing is. It's a there's this. extremism of barely making it or being so so unapproachably quote unquote successful according to some standards that you did not set that in neither case yeah or the most enlightened thank you door yeah i'm the most enlightened i have 14 black belts in karate you know whatever the whatever the extremism is and it's like okay who are you what, where are you? What is your life really about? And so there's this big difference between surviving or maximizing the, your success to, to actual living. And, and so the, this uh, question about, so I just wanted to put that on the table. It's like, okay, is there anything about that? Like, I think some of us are doing the barely surviving thing. Naomi, go ahead. I'd like to add, I'm connecting a lot of things right now, in listening. Sometimes I feel like these different things, the extremism of barely surviving or of doing something very big, can sometimes come from the same place of just wanting to feel that I'm powerful or that we're powerful. I feel like humans in some place of themselves know that they can be powerful, but we never really get trained how. Um, I was thinking about how sometimes in the past year, I would really enjoy this thing of smoking a cigarette, even though there was no, there was no way to justify that I would do that. But it just, my gremlin enjoyed feeling powerful that I can just do that. I can just break with rules. I can just, and then I see all the people here in Mexico, people eat a lot of bad food, a lot of chips and, and, and cookies and things. And it's just like, I can go non-linear and eat shit food just because I want to. And maybe some kind of rebellion against parents or something uh, still there. Or children in schools that do the bare minimum. It's like this silent control and rebellion. And it's just this way of being non-linear and strong in the way that we can through our gremlin because we don't know how to else do it. Thank you. I just noticed yesterday that I was in this automatic mechanical pattern of, of like planning for my next job. 
and being like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this job and I'm going to make money because I need money to live and, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to go and like sign myself up to be someone else's bitch basically. <laughs> and, and then I was like, why the heck am I, why am I doing that? Like, I don't have to do that anymore. I, I have enough money to, to feed myself and, and live. Like, why do I need to go and sign myself up to do someone else's, what someone else is telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, wow, I can, like, I can write books. Like, that's what I want to do. I so want to write books. And I can feel this this surge of energy like I have to write books or else I'm gonna die why the heck am I going around planning for my next job when I really need to write books and that just hit me like a brick yesterday I was amazing I think one of the reasons I'm, I'm pausing here in this question is because we're trying to, there are these forces at work that we haven't named or been trained to deal with, such as status or ridicule or gossip from other people behind our backs that people have opinions about us or um, trying to fit in. These are huge forces. And if, and I don't believe anyone on this screen matches an ordinary person. I don't think anyone here in this conversation is an ordinary person. And yet we have such a desire somehow to sacrifice our true impulses, our true nature, basically, to fit in or match or, or succeed according to somebody else's system. Like if we're be above mere surviving in somewhere, then, then, we, then we're unquestionable. We cannot be questioned in a way. And so we're trying to avoid ridicule or trying to we're trying to but we're measuring ourselves against someone else's standards and that's this thing of of like to question what why is that you know we've been just trained to do that and so for us to have the conversation is so revolutionary to say okay what are you really about like what you know brianne you're writing books ingrid you're writing books you know People are doing all kinds of stuff. You, Dora, you've been talking about being on this road trip with Jeff and Giselle and like, I don't know, inventing stuff as you go along. And so- We are pirates. Okay. <laughs> Please spell that with a capital P, meaning responsible conscious pirates. Yes. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, so in order to be in relationship, it's, it starts off with being you And yet there's no way to define the you that is authentic, the authentically you part. So that's what, that's where we're trying to get to. I mean, the next paragraph in the books, the behaviors produced by our particular drivers are automatically driven. The the behaviors are automatically driven. It is the mechanicality that makes our behaviors inauthentic. The mechanicality of the behaviors makes them inauthentic. We are unable to not do what our driver is telling us to do. And that would be an experiment for this week. 
notice the driver, see if you cannot do what the driver is telling you to do. Because the driver has up until now been driving us to do mechanical things, automatically behave a certain way. And so, so the, the point is to, okay, make it aware. The way to make it aware is to make it conscious. The way to make it conscious is to make it painful. And all of a sudden, choosing whether you do this or not is very, it's much more painful than doing it mechanically. So try to, try to, try to not, please notice when you are about to do a driven behavior. One of these, I'm hurry up or be slow or be perfect or be sloppy, whatever the driver is and, and not do it and see what happens to you. See what's going on inside of you because if we're doing mechanical behavior, we are not being ourselves. And if we're trying to be in relationship as not ourselves, you'll end up with what we've ended up with so far. I mean, you'll create what you've been creating so far. And the point is to find out what in you is authentic. Like what is the thing in you that is able to be connected with another person in this case. So that we're unable to not do our what our driver is telling us to do. And that is why it's called a driver. If we cannot disobey the driver, then we are inauthentic slaves to a psychological machine. And you just found the key to starting a very important series of experiments for yourself. Select one each of the responsible, this is an experiment in the book. It says, select one each of the responsible drivers and the irresponsible drivers that your box uses and stop doing them. For example, select be perfect and attack authorities. And then no matter what happens to you, fulfill neither one of them. Fulfill neither driver, period. This will keep you busy for a couple of years. That's what it says in the book. W was somebody going to say something right now? It, it, it feels to me like it's a journey of, of realizing that like your, your, my authentic self is the one that knows that there is no authentic me. Like that's the one, the one that can st stand in a space and, and say like, I don't know, I can stand in the space and say, oh, I'm about, I'm about to do this. And, and this is because of all of this that's happened. It's like, like, this is not really me, but there's some part of me that's going to do this thing. Right. Like it's like um, getting to that paradoxical place, like that, that highest dimension of, of seeing where you realize like, that, that the, the authentic me is the one that has no authenticity. That, 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 that it's, all, it's all a program in some way and that I can change that program whenever as, you know, at will. I mean, here we are in the middle of this question about, for example, if I make a promise, I can change my mind and not keep the promise and then not tell anybody even. 
if I if I have a value, for example, if I value presence, or if I value keeping my word, or if I value service in some way, and then and then if it's done neurotically, it becomes a driver. And if and if, if I abandon it, whenever something in me like my unconscious gremlin or my boxes comfort patterns uh, feels uncomfortable, then it's no value. It is no promise. I give no, I can be no word. So then I betray everybody around me by in a way being irresponsible. I can behave completely irresponsible in the name of I'm a free spirit. I am there's no such thing as authenticity, or there's no such thing as commitment or, or, or a value or a promise. You know? and, and that's not where we're trying to get to. That's not the thing that's being promoted here. And so, okay, where's the line? Well, that's what this question is. There, you know, is there a line? Well, yeah, there is a line. I mean, one of the things is, <clears throat> is is to look at what we're creating in the world. And the only way to look at what we're creating in the world is to look at the kind of feedback that other people tell other people about us. Like what, what you're creating in the world, what's happening over there about you. When somebody, when the, when the world reacts to you in a certain way, like for me to get pulled over twice you know, by a policeman in, in, two, in three days, I get pulled over for, this is feedback. This is complete immediate feedback. Okay, that's what I'm creating over there about me. And, and so then that came back to me, I go, shit, you know, this does not fit my image. It does not fit my self image. And it is so real. It is undeniable real, real. And so over like, that's what, that's what I'm saying. And so if you think you have changed, the only way you can notice when you've changed is what, when something over there is changes about you, when you create different feedback for yourself, when people are, when something over there changes about you, then you have changed. And if something over there doesn't change about you, you have not changed. And so what are you creating over there about yourself? That's in a way, and this is, it's a horrible, it's also a horrible situation because those people over there, they're all brainwashed zombies. You know, they have, they have standard human intelligence thoughtware and they're reacting to you according to programs that have been handed down for thousands of years that they're completely unaware of. Okay, well, who cares what they think about me? You know, you know what I'm saying? There's, this, there's that other side of it. It's like, I am not trying to conform to a belief system that has annihilating life on planet earth. I'm not trying to conform to that, I refuse. But at the same time, What's happening over there about me is what I am in the world. How is this helping? I mean, I think it's making it complex enough to be significant. I think it's valuable to, to relate to the, to the complexity of, of <clears throat> relationship and these forces of, of nature. I mean, 
I'm in, in this country where I am right now, people are rock stackers. They have what they have to work with for building material is volcanic rock and they don't have cement. And so they've learned over hundreds and hundreds of years how to stack rocks without cement to hold back hundreds of tons of earth to make these terraces. And they've made terraces that have lasted hundreds of years because they know how to stack rocks. Well, the feedback about stacking rocks is immediate. Does the thing stack or does it fall over? Does the tons of earth push it down when it gets wet or does it stay up? And so that kind of, this is what, this is you know, approaching reality. So in our lives, we can approach reality. And so in, in modern culture, we human beings have, we have the ability to live alone in a city. We can live in an apartment uh, alone in, in a city. And that's completely acceptable in our society, in modern society. <clears throat> and it allows us to avoid noticing the feedback from what we're creating over there about ourselves. Like we might be doing stuff that we build a wall and it falls right down and we don't even notice it. We build, the whole thing collapses and we don't have to feel the consequences of that because we live alone, isolated in little boxes away from each other. And so some of us are living more dangerously and, and that's what relationship is, community relationship. This is a dangerous situation because you might think of yourself as a nice guy, but when you're living with somebody, people go, you, you, you don't clean up your dishes. You know, you, you are leaving your shoes in the middle of the doorway. <clears throat> you don't help, you don't participate in group decisions and then you blame us you know, you attack us for, for making a decision. You know, you don't contribute enough money to buy enough food for what you're eating. Like there's so, there's so many ways that our view of ourselves could be so far away from quote unquote reality when we're isolated and living alone. And so we've, but we've grown accustomed to it. You know, there's enough television series, there's enough sugar and, you know, Coca-Cola and whatever, there's enough, distractions um, um, that, that we can keep our mind occupied and ignore the fact that our heart is starving and our soul is starving. We get, we just stay busy and occupied and pretty soon we're in the old people's home and dying from AIDS or whatever, some disease, whatever. So what we're trying to do here is get ourselves aware enough to be willing and like courageous enough to start engaging relationship more, to like actually take the risk of engaging more interrelatedness. Why? Well, it's a rapid learning environment. You know, people get complacent. When we put our boxes together, two people in the same house, there's kind of rooms we don't go in and rooms the other person doesn't go in. So we have we kind of walk down the hall next to each other and we don't bump into each other. And it's possible to even live in the same place, but never, but say, morning, honey, did you get the eggs? Yeah, I got the eggs. Oh, good. Anything in the news? Yeah. Oh, good. You know, and then the, the days go by. And so that's, it's possible to live like that. And, and so, 
I think what we're putting out is a four-dimensional chessboard, and we're trying to upgrade our game from checkers to four-dimensional chess or something like that. You know, we're, we're putting the putting the marbles on the table and going like, let's walk through the room that's covered with marbles. It's a lot more difficult to walk through a room covered with when the floor is covered with marbles than when it's covered with shag carpet or something like that. So it's like. It's about aliveness. So we're talking about being at risk and we're so skilled at making it so we are not at risk. So we know what to say that, that's too close to the line and we don't go close to the line. We don't say what puts us at risk. We don't ask the questions that put us at risk. We don't ask, we don't make proposals for what we really wanna create because we're locked away from that part of ourselves that wants to create what we wanna create. So we just isolate ourselves away from this furnace that's in ourselves. We have this furnace, this thing that wants us to get out there and live. And we've worked out this marshmallow zone around it so that we don't have to, you know, we're, we don't go there. And so every experiment that you're doing, it is valuable. So I'm, I so much appreciate it when you, when you tell us about the experiments that you're doing. And so, and what the book is saying is the responsible drivers are the most difficult to unravel. First of all, the response, you know, quote unquote, the fake responsible drivers are not truly responsible because they lack consciousness. A driver is an automatic box response to circumstances. For example, being perfect is not responsible if we are unable to be imperfect. You freak out by thinking that you are imperfect. It's not a responsible creation to be perfect. Like, here's something. <clears throat> you can try this experiment. Like once a day in, in with one or more people around you, do, you know, do something and go, see this jar? It's Kreuter Leberwurst jar, which is a, a flavor liverwurst within this jar. And now it's full of Himalayan salt. This jar is perfect. And you tell somebody, you, you tell somebody that something is perfect. You know, of course it's not perfect. I mean, you know, a liverwurst jar holding Himalayan salt, how imperfect can you be? And the thing's heavy. I mean, I mean, and and so, but but to set up a condition where somebody says good morning, you just look at them and go, that was perfect. And and hold it like that. It's a declaration. You because we're so accustomed to not achieving perfection that we don't get to experience the ecstasy of being in spaces where stuff is actually perfect. But you can declare something is perfect. And who's going to argue with you? I mean, people will go, it's not perfect. You know, my tone of voice was wrong. I, my hair is a mess, whatever. You know, people will come up with reasons. You just go look at them and go, but that's what made it perfect. That is exactly what made it perfect. And, 
Okay, so this is the experiment, is to become a source of the ecstasy of calling something perfect in the world. And then I'm telling you, this will be, this will make a change. This will, it just really, okay. Everybody get the experiment? You're the source of naming something is perfect. Good. Okay. <clears throat> Good. So, in the same way, the irresponsible drivers are not actually irresponsible either. They're not actually irresponsible. Like making a mess is not irresponsible, or being late is not necessarily irresponsible because they too are mechanical, unconscious box responses to circumstances. So the driver of being late or making a mess, if you do it unconsciously, is it's not the action itself is not even irresponsible because it's mechanical. The box is a dead mechanical mechanism. It behaves in a dead mechanical way. It's a survival strategy. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. It just does the thing that it does. It does this mechanical thing. So if you're doing the mechanical thing of attacking authority figures, it's, and, and it's just your mechanical response, it isn't necessary. It's not responsible or irresponsible. It's like, is a, is a, uh, a coffee making machine, is that responsible or irresponsible? You know, it's just a machine. You put the coffee in the, you know, it does its thing. Okay, is a blender responsible or irresponsible? Is a tooth, electrical toothbrush? So these things are mechanical. So the same thing with our box. It is a mechanical machine, it has a certain behavior. So it's great to notice that about yourself. But it's also amazing to notice that about other people. And I think this is one of the things that Shannon was talking about, is as soon as you start getting the mechanical behavior that's driven by these drivers from other people, you, you don't have to take it personally. It's not personal anymore. It is a machine doing a mechanical thing that that person doesn't have control over. You don't have to stand in front of it. You don't have to be in the way like holding up the cloth for the bull. If the bull is charging at you, you can hold the cloth here or over here. If you hold it here, you're going to react personally to somebody's driver, unconscious mechanical driver reaction. If you hold the cloth over here, it goes by you and you notice it, but you don't have to react to it. So you, can, you don't have to be hooked by that behavior because it's just a machine doing a machine thing. It's like walking by a chair, kicking it with your foot and swearing at the chair. Anybody ever do that? You kick the foot with your, yeah, okay. What's the point? I mean, you know, you're gonna blame the chair. You think the chair is gonna feel bad if you swear at it? I mean, it's not gonna, you don't get to get revenge on, I mean, you could get out a hatchet and chop up the chair into little pieces and throw it in a fireplace. But even, even then, the chair doesn't really care. I mean, there's, it isn't really, doesn't do anything. So, but it feeds your gremlin, let's see. So, following the impulses of responsible drivers can make you the CEO of a company or the mayor of a town. Following the impulses of irresponsible drivers can land you behind bars in a 
prison with a life sentence. That is because we live in a responsible universe where irresponsibility is an illusion. Trying to pretend like you're irresponsible or you can be irresponsible is delusion. It's an illusion. In this universe, it is impossible to avoid responsibility in the same way it's impossible to avoid consequences. So the responsible drivers are also difficult to unravel because they are associated with being a good person. I'm a good man, a good woman, a good boy, a good girl, a good father, good mother, a good wife, a good husband, good employee, good citizen, good leader, and so on. In our dichotomized mind, the good is the equivalent of being right. Being right can justify our particular position or decision, but being right still keeps us in denial and in inauthenticity. So being right is going to keep you in inauthenticity. Dor? Yes, uh, thank you. I, I feel sadness because I have I have so much love to this work and it because it's it's working because it's working for me and it's I'm I'm on this path of transformation. So I, I just wanna I just wanna say and I have a little bit of fear to say it, we talked about those drivers and those mechanics like the mechanical behavior and I see a lot of it in use of you know like possibility management language or inside like inside possibility management like i mean inside people we for us like for example for me when i did the first ctb i i had this thing about like attacking authority this driver about so i try to like attack you in in, in some way like to like i try to question and find like the, the like the thing that is not correct or something like that and I, I see it a lot, and that's something that I, I have anger about is I see it a lot in, in even trainers that they use like the possibility management mechan mechanism, like the words, the feedback. Like I feel when they give feedback, it's like it's almost like I hear the good girl box using possibility management to to be correct, to use this drive. And, and I really just, it's coming up for me like we all have that in a certain way. It's, it can be like the bad boy box that has the drive to kill that and or the good one that just want to be perfect with that. And I, I just wish that we all like bring it more to awareness that it's happened also here, not only in those zombies back there, you know, it's like. So, Dor, I mean, I just want to push back on that a little bit. It's like, when you see it, whose job is it? When I see a piece of garbage on the street, I can leave it there or, and walk by, or I can pick it up. But if I didn't see it, then I, I can't really pick it up. But the moment I see it, in a way, then I'm just as responsible for leaving the litter on the street as the person who dropped it there in the first place, because I see it. And so it comes up to this question, thank you for sharing what you see, what are you gonna do about it? Thank you. 
for me, it's connected to what we talked last time about this moment of authenticity. And, and it's almost like in that, that moment I can choose, like for example, someone give me feedback and, and okay, he has, is here more time than me or he quote unquote have more metrics than, than me, but I, I hear that mechanism. And, and for me, the authentic, authentic part can be just to, to acknowledge that and just to say, you know, I, I feel the driver here. I feel this driver. Is it is it true for you or something like that? And and you know, it's scary sometimes to give feedback back to someone. I, I don't know if anyone ever did that. If if someone from possibility management or a trainer gave you feedback, it's scary to say, okay, but I have feedback also about about the way you said it or something like that. So for me. I have a lot of fear from doing that because I, I for many years I have the, the bad boy box and I, I kind of like, I ran away from good, go, good boy. Or I talked to this about Jeff where like spaces that I have a lot of strong mechanism, a lot of drivers with mechanism. I used to run away from them because I, I felt like I can't play. And it, it's also a lot about the emotional healing process that I need to do. So that's also part of taking this responsibility for this. But that's, that's me speaking up. I want to speak up and I want next time that it happens, like you said, I want to be authentic and not let it just slide and just, I want to, you know, make it like part of our culture, our colors to make sure that like, if it's a driver, if it's a, you know, if, it, if it's feel mechanic here, we're using this mechanically, like let's just speak up for that. And I do it too. I need to also, you know, get feedback from people and ask, Fever for people when I, when my irresponsible driver are at work here, in this work. So. Thank you, Dor. Jeff, go ahead. I see your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah. So I'd first like to, you know, put it bring into the space that Dor and I and Giselle obviously we've been spending a lot of time over the last week and we've been doing a lot of work together on on each other with each other on each other whatever you want to call it and there's a there's some anger in me about, you know, this, this analogy of the trash on the floor, because there's, there's something particularly interesting about this trash and this, because we are tr on the trainer path, all, th all three of us. And so this, the, the particular thing about this trash is that if I pick it up, if I pick up this trash, I might be, the consequence might be that I can no longer, or I will no longer be accepted into this group because the people who are who have more matrix than me will oust me and this is my this is my thing right and i'm just sharing like this anger in me that exists around like having this fear of picking up this trash because it might land me in jail right <laughs> it might it might i might get in in this world i might go into jail if i pick up this piece of trash <clears throat> and um and there's also some like it creates some some anger in me about noticing that there are some people with so much matrix that are still doing these things and they've been doing this for so many years and like fuck is this gonna be me that's like not gonna get like make any progress with my shit because you know and um and, and it's it, yeah it's scary because it, it it's me placing myself in a hierarchy again and like here i you know i'm, I'm like going far 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 away from it and then i'm back and, then, and, and I think you and I talked about this, like I'm, I've left Western society, I'm here traveling and going away from it. And then I realized that, oh shit, everybody else is also 
like now wanting to do this and it's like here i am like folding over back on myself and um it's frustrating and it's like yeah like this is it it's like just me sitting in this frustration and 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 seeing like landing in the paradox like landing in in, in the paradox of it all again and again and, and yeah and, and and i just want to say that door has this like razor sharp blade around good boy bad girl boxes and and gremlin strategies and it's been like insanely helpful for me to be to be with him who's right right here in front of me uh for the last week yeah. wow thank you I want to share that I feel glad about Doors sharing because I was at DTB you talked about and like this huge bad boy box created for me it created such a distance and I was so sad about it because I could feel the door behind and I connected with the door behind that like I just remember like there was one moment you were playing guitar and we were just dancing I was like wow this guy's awesome and i want to connect to him and then like this huge bad boy box came back and there was the distance and and i'm really glad to hear that that you see that and that you're on it and yes and still want to connect with you so yes happy to hear that thank you I'm just sitting here right now feeling glad because all this talk of mechanicality and underworld and reactivity and gremlin and all this stuff and in the middle of all that, we, we can still make a love declaration. So thank you. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, I, I mean, isn't that the point? I mean, the more aware we become of what we were not aware of, it can get really bad looking or horrible or dark or hopeless, you know? And in the middle of all that, we can find actually love is happening on the journey. Wow, this is, what's better than that? I mean, it's not fake, you know, it's not a, really takes courage to, to not just wall ourselves off into it's hopeless or yeah thank you okay you've been a little bit too silent for me today could you just say something Oh, it's totally off topic. <laughs> I, well, maybe not completely, but yes, I have been doing, well, trying, getting, doing Rage Club and 333 and all that. And so it's come out rather strongly in, in my community. 
and um, possibly at level one and not level two, you know, so not that uh, gracefully. However, it had the effect of um, a profound change on the couple that it was directed toward and they had been stuck like for 25 years and um and i've been having i had a i don't know if it's related to awakening anger but um i've been having these crazy ass violent dreams um i dreamt i bought a quarter a porterhouse steak which i'm a lifelong vegetarian i bought a steak for my friends and the butcher accident, uh, no, on purpose, put a stray dog in the middle, like it was rolled up. He put a stray dog in the middle. <laughs> and I, yeah, I did a violent mm. thing <laughs> to the dog. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Ingrid, what about you? You're, what are you thinking about? Yeah, I listen attentively and um, and I'm opening all my bodies to let it in and to let mix it there. And um, I see in in at my work about perfect uh, yeah perfection in the world. I see in 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 my work in this moment that uh, there I have so much overload that I need to 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 step out of uh, be perfect driver. And so, so I'm really grateful in a way that life is offering me what to do. So, uh, uh, and I do it and I do it consciously and, and I, I'm really conscious about the pain which, which is creating in my box and I'm able to, to, to be grateful for the pain and to go to the play, uh, consciously into the place of pain and uh, it's something about I, 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 yeah, I change my relationship to pain, I think. It's really it's um, um, I don't like it. My box don't li doesn't like it. And at the same time, there is a conscious part who knows that's a good place to be, something like that. Mm. Hmm. Christina, what are you what are you stewing on over there? Uh, right now I'm I feel sad because I just wrote with Jeff about what he was sharing. And to me it, it sounded a lot like uh this trap again that we can fall into no, ma no matter where we are or which groups of being lin linear again. And then where in fact it's 
every time cyclic, it just comes another circle of whatever spiral you're into. Like if you, if your energy, like if your energy goes like up or if you go more down in the underworld again. So, <clears throat> and despite that- sad, have, What was the sadness? What was the sadness about? I feel sad because it's, that's the way it is. Like, I, I feel sad because of, it's, it's beyond words somehow. This, it's very beautiful, this kind of, and it's very fine, like. <clears throat> um, I'm, it's like, I think it, I feel it's a more an emotion. It's more like I miss, I miss that. And because sometimes it can get so hard again and rigid and then we we get lost in this again and yeah thank you <clears throat> Anybody else have something they'd like to share right now? Hannes, go ahead. Uh, when Rian, I don't know how to spell it, or say Brian, Rian um, said that she was thinking about why she should go back to work and to be a slave of somebody. Uh, I just could encourage her to not do that and uh, I myself I'm in a sabbatical for more than six months now and I have no idea how long it will take so people normally talk about a year or something else and I told myself I have no idea how long it will take and uh, um, yeah and while being in the sabbatical, I, I noticed that there must be a radical shift because if I'm at the end of the sabbatical doing the same stuff I did before, it, it, it didn't work out. So it's, it's absolutely crazy. And um, yeah, and I'm discovering myself that I'm, I mean, all people tell me that it's a good thing what I'm doing and it takes courage to do just to quit the job and not knowing where to go. But I still am in this circle or in this, in this um, driving mood, like not being perfect, but still do what's, what I expect from myself. Maybe not what other people expect me to do, but what I expect me to do. And I'm sometimes frightened what I'm, what, what things I'm expecting to do. 
our myself and and yeah really becoming a pirate not just with a capital p what but maybe also with a capital r uh like <laughs> really being a rat and whatever really changing perspective in completely way and something like that yeah i'm i'm very much looking forward to what's coming up thank you And you've been encouraged. Did anybody? I'm not sure what's happening with the. Everybody can hear everybody right now. Okay. Anybody else? Anything right now? I want to share <clears throat> that I feel like a lot of what you what you Clinton say talks a lot to where I am at the moment in my life. And uh, after the healing process with you, Clinton, two weeks ago, this um, pain or this feeling came up in me of basically that I built my life to survive and um, I was just running around a few days really in this oh shit what holy moly um, if I want to yeah I don't want to to prolong this anymore and so I stopped a lot of things I stopped um, doing my Start therapy training. I stop. I, I'm planning on stopping studying. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm leaving a lot of things that kind of sustain my surviving strategy. And this makes me, I need to find new ways to live. And one of the things what, what I'm really grateful for at the moment is to, to have this call every week because it reminds me of um, how life could also be lived, how, how, authenticity, how authentic life could be lived. So I'm very, very grateful for all the people here. Yeah. Kian, where do you where are you living? Where are you right now? Freiburg. Freiburg, okay. Germany. A nice place. At the same time, uh, some of the people who, even the ones who are not on the screen right now, are 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 visiting each other actually. They're actually visiting each other's places. And I if you can manage, I mean, that's uh, there's something magical that happens. It's catalytic. It causes uh, stuff to be exchanged even more. You know, we get this a couple hours on Monday and Monday and it's like, okay, this is great. And it's a reminding factor, but to hang out 
and you know wash dishes and take a walk and make decisions and go to the market and decide which carrots are better and all this stuff it, and go on little adventures together it's really it does it builds up uh, the capacity to shift into new possibilities more profoundly <clears throat> it's a profound building up inside and so um, I encourage that too. This community is a living community. And so when people can go be with each other in, in person, it's possible and it's happening and don't shy away from it. If you feel like doing it, go ahead. It's a great, great move, I think. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'd like to read a little more before uh, for this next part. It's still, you know, we're working with, we haven't even got to really denial, but the denial and drivers. So I was just talking about uh, this whole thinking that being good is being responsible. It's a confusion that we can have. It's an easy to have that confusion. So it's possible to, dis to suffer. It's possible to suffer decades of inauthenticity under the pretend show of being good or thinking I'm right. And that the opposite of being good is not being bad. The opposite of being good is not being bad. It's probably more likely being yourself. So that's what we were kind of talking about. It's like, okay, I'm not being good and I'm not being bad. I'm not being for and I'm not being against, but I'm, it's about being. So strategically playing the role of being good can show up in a multitude of variations. Instead of being authentic, the man in our example above elected to tough things out and be a hero. This man made it more important to be a hero and a nice guy than to be himself. Without awareness, he could well have been thinking, I don't want to cause a problem. I don't want to stand out and be visible. I don't want to look like a failure. I don't want to break society's rules. I want to keep my promises. I don't want to abandon or betray my children. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't see anyone else in a better relationship than me anyway. So the man we're talking about was a guy who's in this 25-year marriage, this guy that I know about. So I don't want to abandon or betray my children. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't see anyone else in a better relationship than me anyway. So why should I bother trying to make mine better? I have other things to do besides trying to fix my relationship. I don't want to go to some therapist. I want to be normal and happy like everyone else. I want everything to be fine. I don't want to cause myself or my partner to have bad feelings. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If I leave her or she leaves me, I will be alone and I don't want to be alone. And if we start in on all of this stuff, what will my parents think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. 
So this is what we're in. We're in that kind of a multi-dimensional complex prison system in a way. So, so this guy who decided to stay in the relationship for 25 years and be a hero, deciding to be a hero or a nice guy is a formatory decision. It shapes your life that can, contrary to what you might have expected, support a relationship full of emotional, psychological, physical, or sexual abuse. It is not necessarily a smooth road from being good to being authentic. It is not necessarily a smooth ride from being a good person to being authentic. And this is this journey. This next section is called Take Possession of Your Attention. And I'm, if somebody has something that's up, I'd rather talk about that because this whole attention is huge. This thing about attention is really big. We can start, but if somebody has something, please put it on the table. So I, somehow I was given this box pattern where my threshold for not having what I want is really low for, or for being okay with not having what I, what I want or, you know, it's very low. And um, when we were in the, in the workshop on Friday with, uh, at, at Ecovilla, this community, um, this, this, this man showed up really late. And when we sat together to, to sort of check out, right, to check out together and everybody share, he, he dropped into this very intellectual body, like rationalizing of the experience. And like, you know, I just, you know, it was, it was a story of like, I just remember to love unconditionally and like, you know, know, know that everything's okay. And that, that, you know, they have their wounds and, and it was like, it was like, uh, taking, a this like machine gun and, and killing the space, like, like killing the the feelings in the space and 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 I and and I recognized myself a piece of myself in that like my my capacity to intellectualize everything and I used that anger about that piece of me to just like to go and I was scared shitless because I was a space holder and I I was scared to go there because you know, what are they going to think of me that I came here to put on this thing and then I'm going to, you know, explode in the space about how I feel about it. And, and I thought that he would like hate me forever for, for what I was about to do. And, and somehow I just let a spark plug go and, and, and I went, I went there and it was, and, and what came after that was like, a deepening of intimacy in the whole space that was like remarkable. And, and even with, with him, like I was even scared to talk to him after because I didn't know how, what, what this would, what this would do. And, and somehow it landed in, I want more of this to do more of this work. And I want to go to trainings and I want trainings here. And it was just like, yeah, like that's it. Like, you know, not worrying about the being good or being liked and just, letting letting the feelings space come alive and and 
it 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 allowed the space to go into a deeper level like be like beyond extraordinary and yeah like somehow i've been i've uh, my anger <laughs> attacks my good boy box really hard and um i let i've i've i'm i'm working on letting that happen more like yeah thank you I'd like to share uh, Go ahead. about the perfectionistic driver that stops me from producing anything because it's not perfect enough. And also imagining what other people think, it's like, yeah, there's the thing, whatever they think of us or whatever we're creating in, in them about us. But what stops me is my imagination about what they will think. You know, there's like another layer to it. So often we don't even know like they are thinking and what our, our impact is. And it's usually what I discover is I've been wrong about it. And then like the imagination of being judged or whatever stops me. What's your next experiment? <laughs> well, I have three people that have agreed to watch my, the videos that I create and give me feedback and with the intent to uh, have a wider viewing public. You mean if you make your videos nice enough, then more people will watch them? I don't want that many people to watch. Like, like I want to, I don't know, like, as I'm thinking about it, I, I don't know. I want to like have only the select group that, can see them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Question Christina to that. sent this note about. Yeah. Uh, what What's the purpose? Yeah, if you're of interested in the perfectionism, if you're interested in the perfectionism thing, check out the note that Christina just sent around. Yula, go ahead. Yes. So, so what's the okay? What's the purpose of just having that small group? Because from what I didn't see your videos yet, but I kind of got the context, and like everyone should watch it, in my opinion. Fear. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all kind of faced with choices like that probably almost every day of what to say, what to do, what to create, what to, and, and it's, and this title of this next section called Take Possession of Your Attention. If, you know, it's possible to make yourself afraid of of anything 
by putting your attention on a story about that thing that scares you. And so, you know, about this, uh, about this jar full of, of Himalayan salt, it's like, okay, did this stuff really come from the Himalayas? I think, I think the, the people who mine the salt in the Himalayas are, are slaves, children slaves, and they often spit in the salt just to curse the white people who buy the, their salt. And so I'm not, I, and if I focus on the story that they spit in the salt because they hate me because they're slaves, this will scare me to eat the salt. So I can put my attention on a story like that and then I'll have this experience called fear, and it will, and it will, that it will, you know, it will, it will make me do or not do certain things. And so it's kind of like, what's, what's the value of putting your attention on a story that makes you afraid? I, that, Kay, that would be, I mean, we're all faced with this, but Kay, you could untangle this for us in a way. What's your, what's your, why do you put your attention on a story that makes you afraid? Um, yeah, it feels like life or death, you know, like if my imagination about all the people who I don't even know any, you know, who I used to know <laughs> see me and that I have changed and, um, <clears throat> that I'm saying these words and, um, I don't, yeah, it must be an emotional healing process. I have a whole lightning bolt from God thing, you know? Well, you're lucky it was so fast. You know, lightning bolt from God, you're just dead. So it's much better than being slowly sliced up in pieces like I was, you know, they sliced me up in little pieces. So one piece at a time, many times. So I lightning bolt from God would, that would be better, but Mm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, what if the story is, you know, that there are, there are so many people waiting for that, mm -hmm. that uh, waiting for each of us to speak out and to take a stand for and make a commitment to and show up in a way that other people can heal or get new possibilities or transform. And you know, this is the courageous ones. Here, here, here are the courageous ones. You know, Hannes has quit his job and Brian's going to write a book and, you know, Dor and Jeff and Giselle are pirates out conquering communities out there. And like, okay, so, so this is the, we're the, these are the courageous ones. What about the people who are not quite there yet? The ones who aren't there yet. And it's like, Okay, if, if I put my attention on a story that keeps me small or more ordinary or more silent, you know, if I, re, you know, hidden, if I do that, what if, what about the opposite? What if, you know, it's kind of like Jeff said, you know, he, he yelled at somebody or, you know, used anger to be clear about what was happening and, and a door opened up. And so these doorways can open up through us listening to a different story, you know, listening and just trying it. And it's, it's maybe it's contrary to one of our drivers, 
it goes against one of the drivers and that's the experiment. Okay, let's go against the driver. Let's go against the mechanical behavior strategy that's been designed in that we've been conforming to for so long. Let's try something else. And, you know, we have a, there's a little fund that we have that if you get arrested, we have the money to bail you out. So, but the point is don't get arrested. Don't do that. It's one of, it's the third rule. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anybody else and don't get arrested. So, but in any case, if you get arrested, we'll bail you out somehow. And uh, yeah, rescuer. Anyway, we'll join you. We'll all come in. We'll move into jail with you and have a great old time. We'll give public talks from the jail cell. Now that would, that would make your ratings go up, don't you think? If you give the talks and workshops, you know, between the bars like this, you know, that would be good. Yeah. Or, or, or with the inmates, you know, you can, you can really right. do transformation work. Have a captive audience, so to speak. <laughs> it will be perfect. I can see that. <laughs> that will happen for sure. <laughs> it will be perfect. Yeah, I mean, there's this, if you look at history or whatever, it's like things didn't happen until somebody said yes. It had to be a yes, a step forward, a create the thing. Let's try this. For all the people who said no or stepped backwards or hesitated or refused to try something, their name was not remembered. You know, it was like it didn't make a difference in the world. So, so yeah, I, I think you have a big enough fan club right here on this channel. You have a big enough fan club that you could, how many people vote for Kay to go ahead and, and go broadband with this stuff? Just like step out, go forward. We're, we're you have a, you have support. So. Thank you. I, I'm going to do it after this call. It's just like, yes. I don't know where, I'm just going to start in the middle and it's super raw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go ahead. Yeah. You know, don't try to digest it for the people. Yeah. You get it? Don't try to make yeah. it. Yeah. If you have a message, don't ask the people if it's okay. I mean, it's your message. Yeah, thank you. Christina, you going to say something? Okay. Joseph, yes, it's your turn. Yeah, I, I had this initial two things of uh, where I made these little videos, and I, I've, I can feel that I'm like kind of dealing and negotiating with myself to continue. And there is this fear and the driver is uh, to please the others, not to appear stupid and whatever. So I just want to uh, put me out here, expose me. And I want to just for the next week, maybe somebody can, can give me some um, to, to support me in that. I want to have two or three random acts of freshness. Some in the, in the way that I do something unusual, I film it and I put it on, just to to get me out again to 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 do something and to experiment. Go. 
What do you need, Joseph? Ideas or what do you need? Um, maybe a buddy that uh, that I can have some some uh, brainstorming what what to do, get some ideas, and then just to to yeah to maybe um, make up commitments and to follow up a little. If somebody wants to to do that, it would be nice. I see Shannon. I see Shannon's hand up. Hannes, you're Hannes and Shannon and Kay. Perfect. What a team! There you yeah, got great. a team. Wow. And Eula. Okay. Great. Super. Great. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Remember, don't get arrested. You know, don't just. Uh, uh, I'm low. This is not a problem. Hey, Gandhi, Gandhi, <laughs> Gandhi got arrested, all right? All right. Nothing all right. wrong with that. <laughs> okay. Carol, come on. What do you have against <clears throat> don't get arrested, you know, get arrested thing? Why is it the rule? Yeah, yeah, it's really, no, it's really bad food in jail. It's just really bad. <laughs> <clears throat> it's instant mashed potatoes, <laughs> meatloaf. I mean, it's just. Ah. Ah. So I think tried? that's all. Have I tried? Yes. Yes. Did you try? No, but I um, I had a similar police situation uh, yeah. some weeks ago here in, in Gran Canaria. Uh, I, I crossed the road by red light traffic. And yes. then he stopped me and he wanted my bike and give me a fine. And I said, no, you cannot do both of it. So <laughs> I, that's at least what I understood. So I decided just to walk away. And I knew that was dangerous. But uh, yeah, and then he came after me and a lot of people started to film. And then I just started thinking, I, I told him, okay, then take me to jail. It's okay. Wow. <laughs> take me wow. with you. But he didn't want that either. So yeah. <laughs> I, I would get have a copy of the film. Willing to try. Hmm? Yeah, great. Thank you. I wondered if you got a copy of the film to get. No, um, put it on your, I don't know. Okay. Maybe somewhere, but I didn't get it. No. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Christina? Yeah, I also have a story about police. Uh, when if you don't want to get arrested because um, I tried out uh, this weekend an experiment to speak in, in front of a big group and it was actually uh, a protest um, here in Germany about masks and stuff like that and I, I was just talking about possibility management in the, in the sense of okay that we are not grown up and we need to feel. And then I made an experiment with the people there that do partnering and we did a centering exercise and then just share what they feel like sad, mad, but scared. And then the, the policeman came to me, okay, um, what is this now? Is, this, is it over? Uh, why are the people talking? Because he was so used to someone standing up uh, as an original, we say an original protest uh, where someone mm -hmm. speaks and everyone listens like school and he was so confused and then he was so busy looking in his papers and laws what he's going to do now and he was asking his colleagues and he couldn't arrest us because it was 
a part of the speech. And so, yeah, it's also maybe just just story to share how it can work out not to get arrested. <clears throat> Thank you. I think that'll be the sign off message for this next week is play full out and be there next week to talk to us about what happened. So I say bye-bye and see you next week. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Thank you.